It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at threepointpod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. Dr. Ashraf Albana will be again hosting a Monday walk-in clinic to evaluate orthopedic sports injuries for youngsters and high school athletes. Certified physician assistant Tara Rakoski and certified athletic trainer Alan Getzinger will also be assisting Dr. Albana. The clinic will be on the second floor of the NOW building at the campus of Memorial Healthcare in Owasso. The clinic allows for x-rays to be taken and reviewed access to an advanced 3T MRI, CT scan, or further imaging. The clinic will be held every Monday through October 16th from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. For more information, call 989-541-BONE or visit memorialhealthcare.org. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, hello again, everybody. It's time for episode 283 of the Three Point Podcast, presented by the Memorial Healthcare Wellness Center. Check out memorialhealthcare.org for everything they offer. Sign up for the October 21st Go Green, Go Blue run walk 5k it's uh you know michigan michigan state wear your colors and one team had a good day yesterday one team not so good we'll talk about that a little later also want to thank our local partners az branding solutions jacobs insurance agency Corey shook and associates real estate services nelson house funeral homes rivals tap house and grill grill and uh, success group mortgage and servicing we're looking forward to talking to our special guest, front of high school football coach Steve Herrick, and we'll get that uh, interview underway in just a bit. But uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, I got my Detroit mm-hmm. Tiger White, got the nice, where is it, over on this side, the thick D that I like better than the thin. But uh, in my catch-up, guys, I had a great day on Thursday. As you know, I wanted to go down and see Miggy play one final time. <clears throat> I put in my credential request got it approved and then all of a sudden i see one of you sent me a text or something that said uh guess what miggy's not playing thursday he's playing all the other games and i go oh dear lord yeah so in the scramble mode trying to see if i want to go saturday and sunday i didn't really want to go saturday because of all the college football so i said okay i'll put a request in for sunday just in case well we decided spur of the moment to go down thursday fortunately we got a chance to see Miggy bat a couple times. He had a walk and a long fly out. Tigers had a big comeback in game two. You know, it was a kind of a combination doubleheader, the 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 continuation of the night before, where technically, if Miggy doesn't hit a home run today, I was at the game that he hit his final <laughs> <Right>. home run. <laughs> 511. Yeah. So it was a good day. Uh, you know, got to see him play, got to see the Tigers in a big comeback. 
it was kind of a delayed anniversary celebration for my wife and I, who's a big sports fan. We had dinner at Tomato Brothers in Howell, one of our favorite restaurants, and then nice. watched the Lions take on Green Bay. So all in all, things went pretty well. That's my catch up. Heck of a Thursday for sure. And later, later in the podcast, we'll talk a little more about that Lions win and a little more about the Tigers too. But it really has been cool to see all the love that he's getting down mm-hmm. in Detroit and uh, extra cool that you got to be there and, and see him get a couple more at bats because right. He was supposed to sit out Thursday, but because of the rain delay and everything, you, you got to see a couple at bats. It will be cool to see today's game of recording on Sunday, his, mm-hmm. his final game, see, you know, it's going to be sold out and um, just all the love that he's getting. Cause man, he deserves it. He's a legend. He should have a statue next week. So it'll be cool to see. Do you, do you agree with that, Ted, that he's, he's statue worthy? Oh, oh, without a doubt. You know how we all, you know how I always like to talk about Mount Rushmore and all that. He's a Detroit Tiger, Mount Rushmore, without a doubt. You know, you got Ty Cobb, you got K-Line, you got Cabrera. Who's that fourth one? I'm not quite sure. You got a lot of candidates, but uh, those those three, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, even go ahead. I I was just saying, we retweeted, I saw Alan Trammell. I didn't see, I think it was at a game this weekend. Alan Trammell, you know, did a speech for him. And he he quoted Al K-Line, Mr. Tiger. Who said that Miguel Cabrera is the best right-handed hitter he's ever seen in Detroit? So if yeah. Al Kaline is saying that, uh, yeah, go ahead and give him give him a statue. <laughs> yeah, they had his kind of. So, I, what did you guys make of this? I've gone back and forth on this actually. So uh, originally yesterday, uh, I found out they were doing the big kind of celebration on Saturday. His final mm-hmm. game is today, Sunday, um, and I hated it. I'm like, why? Why in God's green earth would they be doing this uh, before his actual last game? It, right. it, especially when from what we're hearing ted like you said it's like today sunday we're recording sunday morning is a true uh sellout but then from what i heard is basically they said they want his final game to kind of stand on his own have him go through his usual routine have him Mm -hmm. just have a normal final day what did you guys make of that do you like that i've i've heard of teams doing that before too for yeah for that reason because you don't want to mess up his final game you know you want to have it be as normal as possible let him go through BP, go through his warmups. And, but I've heard people say the other side of it is, is you, you might want to do that in case of weather or in case of some sort of delay or in case of something like that, where the game gets postponed, canceled, something like that. So then you, you lose out on all that, that celebration you were going to do. I've heard people say that too. You, you want to avoid any of those situations, but yeah, I yeah. get that. I get that. But I guess I lean on Jared's side here. I think today would have been the day. What the hell? Make it a massive celebration. Hey, it doesn't have to be a normal day for him. The only thing, yeah. and we've talked about it off the air, Jared, I don't know if you have any intel on it, but he's got to play first base, doesn't he? Don't yeah. they have to throw him out in the field today? I've heard a rumor that he might. I don't know. Nothing is confirmed. Uh, people listening to this pod will know uh, yeah. whether that happened or not. I don't know. I go back and forth on whether that's appropriate or not. It just, it almost seems like you're putting him in a really, really tough spot. I, I mean, Ted, every day you're telling me and you're telling us, you know, how hard baseball is and right. how great of a fielder Spencer Torkelson is. So, I mean, if it's first base and it, it really requires that much uh, to be great at it, I, I just throwing him out there after three, four years where he hasn't done it. I just, I think it seems almost evil mm. in, in a way, but we'll see. I, I don't know. It, it would be very Miggy if he, goes and does it says effort and he's great at it so i don't know i think i think it could be and yeah you you said it by the time this podcast drops we'll we'll know um 
I, it, it reminds me of the all-star game, Cal Ripken's last all-star game. Thinking the same where, thing. Yep, where he was at, you know, he, he had moved over to third base and a- Alex Rodriguez told him, no, get over to shortstop because Cal Ripken, you know, he, he's a shortstop. It'd be really cool if Spencer Torkelson understood the moment. He's a professional athlete. I am not. So <laughs> this is me sitting behind a mic saying this. But say Hinch doesn't start Miggy at first base. If Torkelson goes out there and like points to me and he says, no, get your get your butt out here. You're playing first base. That, I think that would be a really cool moment. Because you see that video all the time of Alex Rodriguez telling Cal Ripken to get over to shortstop. I just you think know, it would be cool. He, he's a first baseman. Put him that out. Might, that might be the more appropriate way to go and get the best of all worlds. Because then you're not putting him on in pressure to be in there for, you know, two, three, four innings at first base, just maybe later in the game. Right. Do that, do that exact move. That'd be kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot of fun though. I mean, obviously Jared, you're, you're in it. You're, um, you're down there. Are you, right. so are you going to Comerica or are you going, You are you in the, like at the station today? I'm at the station today. Um, okay. Yeah. Kind of just in case, break in case of emergency type thing. If, <laughs> yep. You know, so <laughs> It shouldn't be too. Shouldn't, it's not too rough on me. I mean, we have kind of our best people, obviously, down there at the at yeah. the park and, and been working this whole series. So I'm kind of is just it, uh, waiting in the wings, making sure nothing goes, nothing sets on fire. It's definitely a fun thing. I mean, it makes me think of you know, like down here for me. Um, I mean, ESPN, but you know, it's the SEC network is the one of the main things we do. So like when an SEC team makes it to the college football playoff. It's a huge deal, you know, all of our coverage and everything. So for like for you guys, Miggy's final farewell tour, this is a huge deal. Or, oh, yeah. you know, hopefully some of the Detroit teams actually start making the playoffs. For Ted, following Karana, who yeah. might be making a deep run, you know, like that. those are the things, you know, if there was no Miggy farewell tour and the Tigers aren't making the playoffs, it'd be a little slow at Valley Sports right now. Or, right. you know, if, if no SEC teams make the college football playoff, it'd kind of be like, well, we're kind of done with programming for a little bit yep. so yeah it's, it's always cool to think about that stuff yeah, yeah like like jared likes to say all decks on hand today though right uh yeah uh <laughs> lunch pill day as they say um i'm surprised you didn't have more complaints about the actual game experience i saw you 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 did your usual complaint about the ops instead of uh batting <laughs> average but i guess that's normal you do that every game you well, go can, to so well go ahead but i was gonna i want to ask your guys opinion on that when did that change why <laughs> why i don't get it you can still have the ops on this on the scoreboard but why why belittling the batting average nowadays yeah and, and putting it a, a notch lower i've seen people I, I think it's been a few years i mean i don't know yeah. the exact date they made the change but Maybe when analytics became such a much, a much bigger part of the game, people started right. valuing OPS more than batting average. I'm I'm with you, Ted. I, I'm a little maybe I don't know if it's an old school thing. I don't know if it's that, but it's batting average. Everyone talks about that's part of the triple crown. Triple yes. crown, it's batting average. I mean, put the batting average up there. OPS, if you want to look it up or if you want to put a note down there, all right. But right. well, look at look at it this way. Here's how I see it. If a guy has a good batting average, if he's a 300 hitter and has a few home runs and a few RBIs, he's going to have a good OPS, isn't he? Right. Yep. I mean, that's what I, OPS is. For anyone who doesn't know, OPS is on-base percentage plus slugging. Right. So, I mean, that, that's that's what it, if you have a good batting average and you have all the other yeah. good stats, your OPS is going to be good. Right now, Miggy's hey, – we talked about it, Ted. Miggy's actually yeah. playing pretty well. You know, his, yeah. his numbers aren't what they were when he was winning Triple Crowns. 
but his numbers aren't too bad. So no, yeah, so he still got he still got something in the tank. Uh, I mean, you would expect something magical to happen uh, today. I don't know. Could go yard. That would be chaos uh, if he did. Yeah. But oh, uh, <laughs> oh, it would be yeah, chaos. It, it, it would be a fun day. Whoever gets that ball, it would be it would be chaos. That ball going into the stands. It was cool seeing. So you you were at the official game. You weren't you didn't see the actual home run, but you were at the official game. But that was a really cool moment. Him hitting that home run number five eleven. Yeah, I mean he looked like he looked like a kid hitting a little league home run with the smile on his face, running around the bases, and you know the the light show at Comerica park and everything that it was, that was really cool. Classic opposite, opposite way too, man. He yep. drilled it pretty nice. He did. It was a good way yeah. to, good way to hit it. Yep. All right, guys, that's, I think we're caught up right at the moment. We're going to yeah. uh, go to the prep spotlight next talk with Corona Cavalier head coach, Steve Harrod, get some of his thoughts on this season and that game against Goodrich, which maybe surprised a few people. We'll be back with that right after this. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. All right, Prep Spotlight time presented by Jacobs Insurance Agency. They are a longtime Corona Cavalier boosters. And speaking of the Corona Cavaliers, we're going to get head coach Steve Herrick on the line. And I'm going to preempt this right now and just say, hey, if you're not a fan of Corona football, fast forward this segment because this is going to be a Corona Cavalier love fest. I'm just telling you that right now. We all played at CHS. And uh, we're talking with the head coach. And, Steve, I want to start this off. First of all, congratulations on the 6-0 and start. Thank but you. before we get too much into this season, uh, you had kind of an interesting journey in your head coaching uh, stops. So you started off with a five-year run in 2000 yeah. to 2004, took a break, and then came back in 2021. Tell our listeners that might not know the story, what, what, was, what was behind that uh, interlude in between? Well, I, uh, like you said, Ted, I became a head coach in 27 years old, and and I wasn't even married at the time when I became the head coach and got married uh, in, in 2003. My son, Jaden, was born, um, spent a whole year from 2003 into 2004, probably about at least four to six months of that time period. We were in the hospital over at Sparrow. Jaden was born premature, and um, we, my wife jokes that, uh, you know, that's where he, he, it's true, but that's where he learned how to walk. He actually took his first steps in, in Sparrow's uh, children's care unit. Um, uh, we had a very great 2002 year, Matt can attest to that. Um, and then the next year uh, was, was a challenge. We had new coaching staff, all new coaching staff at the varsity level other than myself and a lot of new starters and we went two and seven. So it was a great year. My son was born, but professionally as a coach, it was, it wasn't a great year, um, for our team. And I was, I was with all the challenges of being a family person, I was ready to be done. And, but thankfully my wife said, no, one more year. 
uh, just do one more year and then you can be a dad and, and, and take care of what we need to take care of. So we ended up going six and four. And at that point in time, um, that's when I stopped. Mike Sullivan took over the next year after that. Um, and uh, really just uh, I, I never went away from the program. I actually became an eighth grade coach uh, to help out Mark Clough and uh, Jason Bell. Interesting enough, Mark Clough, Jason Beldiga, Alan Montgomery and I were eighth grade coaches in 2005. <laughs> uh, kind of a uh, great staff crazy staff there, but we had a lot of fun. Um, Then uh, Chris Curtis took over as head coach in 2010, asked me to coach with him, and I I did. And then uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Robinson took over in 2015. Um, And, you know, it it was a a fun time. Jared was obviously a part of that. Um, We, uh, I I wasn't sure I was going to coach actually that year or not. And uh, Buck Heine and and Scott Moeller came to me and they said, you know what, we want to coach one more time. And we want to coach with we want to coach with Kyle, but we're only going to coach if you do it. So I was like, you know, all right, you guys have done so much for me. Right. And I, you know, I, obviously I'm all in as a Corona person, and I wanted to make sure that uh, Jared and all of his teammates and all those guys had the best opportunity. Um, so I made sure that uh, Buck and Skip were coaching. Unfortunately, I had to put up with me as an assistant coach to get the other two. Um, but uh, and then when Kyle stepped down in 2020. Um, um, and the job was open. And uh, other than the fact that uh, um, John, uh, your brother and, and Jared's dad brought back Phil and East to be a part of the interview committee, everything else was pretty smooth sailing. Other than that. <laughs> we had a good time with that. Well, and, and just to kind of finish it off full circle, you came back just in time to coach yeah. your son. Correct. Correct. That was obviously a, a huge thing. Um, you know, it, uh, Jaden being the reason why I stopped coaching and then being the reason why I came back to coaching along with obviously, you know, I've never been anywhere else but Corona, nor would I want to be anywhere else but Corona. So. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect timing too, to come back, not only to coach your son, but um, some good classes coming through Corona topped yeah. off with this year. Uh, this is on the heels of you guys beat Goodrich 35 to seven, a couple nights ago. Gerdrich, the previously, I'm, I'm sure they're going to drop previously number one team in D4. Right. And um, you, you guys had this game. You had to have this game circled on your calendars after last year's. You know, it was basically a mirror That's image. They, right. they kind of put it to you guys last year and made a statement. And you guys did the exact same thing this year. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you we were talking before we started recording, you know, the, the buzz around town and, you know, the, the, the players on the team have to be so excited about that win. How do you kind of keep the guys grounded and yes, live in the moment. This was an awesome win for Corona and for them, but you got some bigger goals. You've, you've got some things that you can really achieve that maybe Corona has never had, you know, you might be able to put something up there next to the 83 basketball state championship. How do you kind of let the guys say, Hey, enjoy this, but we've got some bigger goals ahead. Well, I think we, you know, we do have a lot of uh, this, this group of kids, they're, they're very mature. Um, they're very team oriented. They're very, um, they're very goal driven. And, you know, we, we always talk about, I know it's, it seems cliche, but it's just a matter of getting better each day and taking care of, taking care of what we do. Um, and that's, and that's what, that's how the week unfolded. And I, I'll back you up a little bit. Uh, you know, Brendan Savage asked me, uh, from MLive on, on Friday night, he said, you know, have you guys talked about, um, or thought about last year's game. And I said, well, only for 364 of the last 365 <laughs> days. And, you know, he tried in, um, we did a, a preview thing with MLI back in end of July, beginning of August. And he tried to, uh, you know, get the kids to say something. He tried to get Tarek and, 
and why yeah. make a good rich prediction and Jaden and and they they're they're too smart to to yeah. fall for that you know but then he looked at me and said what about you coach and I said we know what day Goodrich is we'll get to that day eventually you know <laughs> and we we knew it you know and, and it was never off our mind um all of you guys that have been a part of football uh know that as coaches we kind of we kind of do stuff underhanded where we're you know for each week of practice even though we would have been playing Fowlerville or we were playing Pinckney or somebody else we were working on Goodrich stuff that the kids just didn't know it was Goodrich stuff that we were working yeah, on. Right. And uh, so we we're focused on doing that. Um, but as far as overall, the, these guys, they, we talk about it. Um, maybe down the road in a few weeks, I'll tell you some of the other things, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, we keep every, everybody grounded, but uh, there are other things that we talk about and do as a, as a program um, that focuses on our larger goals. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, they're just, they're just smart. You know, it's one of the reasons, you know, everybody talks about the five uh, away games to start the season. And I said, you know, I, I, we couldn't have a better team as far as uh, senior leadership and experience and, and, and of course, talent uh, helps a ton. Right. Yeah. Um, but to, to weather a five game on the road uh, situation um, yeah. like we did. And, and that's, that's why, you know, we're, we're successful. We have great coaching staff. I mentioned, um, you know, some of the guys that, that we brought back, but, you know, Jason uh, Beldega, uh, Buck Heine um, are helping um, on Sunday nights and on Friday nights uh, in, in the press box with our with our defensive staff. Um, and then offensively, Sal Asiello and, and Zach Sawyer and Jeff Sawyer um, and Paul Breger, you know, is uh, is uh, working with offensive line. So we have uh, just like, you know, back in, in 2002 and 2015 and 16, um, the kids are great and talented like both of your classes were. Uh, but it's very important to have the knowledge behind it, you know, to to utilize the talents that you guys have. You know, uh, uh, we all right. know. Uh, well, most of us know Dick Moffat very well. And I, I and and Moff used to say, you know, Stevie, you can't. Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate on, the, on this podcast. I'll say it anyway. He says, Stevie, you, you know, you can't make cow shit into a steak, but you can make steak into cow shit. You know, and, and, uh, we're trying to try yeah. to make sure we keep the players, uh, right. you know, uh, being able to utilize their talents the best we can. Well, obviously, um, Wyatt played great on Friday night. I mean, he's played great every single game this year. Uh, but one thing that I thought was kind of was funny and interesting was when, when he went down injury, you had Caden Cowdery come in for a few plays, and he was coming in slinging, had a big-time touchdown throw, almost J.J. McCarthy. Asked, what was going through your guys' head on the sideline calling those plays when you had your backup quarterback come in? You're like, whatever, we're just going to still kind of raid it out. Yeah, you know, you guys have all had teammates, you know, that uh, – um, what, no matter what position it is that you, you look at them and they, they have a, a tremendous amount of confidence in themselves, even, even though they haven't gotten the opportunity to do it. And uh, I think that's one of Caden's uh, biggest attributes is um, he's, he's confident without being cocky. So, you yeah. know, when, in practice, you know, he's out, he's out there. He has no problem when, uh, when he gets his reps um, showing that, you know, he's able to throw the football. Um, and uh, so it was, and, 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 you know, he and Bryce are in the same class, so they've grown up their entire life. So it was, it was like second nature to him. You know, he wasn't throwing, he wasn't throwing a Tarek, although he, obviously that would have been okay too. But, you know, he and Bryce have had a connection their entire lives coming up all the way through, you know, in front of small town uh, youth football, you know, they, they, they're used to throwing to each other. So um, that was one of the things that came in and uh, everybody says, everybody always says, you know, next man up. Um, but when you're a coach, you just cross your fingers and go, God dang, I right. hope it happens. Right. <laughs> so, 
and and he did. And but we had confidence in Caden. We we see what he does in practice and throughout the summer and seven on sevens. We we knew he could sling the ball. So. Well, you know that that's rare in high school football to have that kind of talent as the backup quarterback able to step in on the Friday night lights in a big game like you had. Right. So big kudos to Caden, and uh, that's just another facet of your team you know we talk about the stars especially Wyatt both Bauer boys all the other offensive highlight guys but the other thing that a lot of fans out there don't see and maybe you can expand on it a little bit as the coach is your line both offensive and defensively I mean obviously the stats you're putting up defensively but uh, they're they're doing a great job on both sides of the ball tell talk a little bit about the the big fellas up front oh yeah yeah, our offensive line is, has been outstanding, and, and they're once again, they're incredibly intelligent. Uh, left tackle is Austin Oginski, uh, left guard's uh, Breger. Uh, the center is is actually Brendan Yarmuth's our starter, but we also have Colton Vila that comes in. Uh, age, uh, uh, Alan Merva is right guard, and then, and then Evan Cody's our, our right tackle. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, they're, they're so smart, and I work with them. <clears throat> of course, they got better once I stopped working with them, but and Paul Breger came in. <laughs> But uh, they're so smart, and, and, and I, I love being down there with them because each week um, and uh, each week they have to make different line calls, and and so depending on the defense they're seeing, and they create they create these names themselves. I mean, they when they make the calls up, and, and they know what they mean, and they're funny because a lot of them are BS calls, you know, and they, they just have right. a good time with it. But but they they they're very they're very uh, I don't say they're hard on each other, but they 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 definitely hold each other accountable. And if somebody misses a block or doesn't make a call or doesn't shift, um, they let each other know about that. And but the the other the nice part about it is besides being big and smart, um, is they have they have great feet. And and in this day in this day and age, the way that high school football and football in general is played, offensive linemen not only have to be able to pass block, but they got to be able to move. I mean, you're yeah. a lot of a lot of you know, people can call it GT or tag or whatever you want to call it, but you're pulling guards and tackles and centers, and and everybody's moving these days. You know, there's no. Uh, veer block down and try to hold your gap anymore as much. Right. Um, so you got to be able to move. You got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to pick things up. And, you know, teams like, uh, you know, Brandon did it a lot. Um, like Fenton, actually the last three games in Goodrich, uh, they blitz a lot, you know, and you yeah. and, and they try to cover it up and, and, and you got to make sure you know where people are coming from. And that's where we spend most of the practice. And, and there's a lot of, um, I'll say it as nice as I can, inappropriate language on Tuesday when we're putting in blitz pickups and, and those kind of things because they're getting mad at each other and, right. and they're seeing it for the first time live. Um, but uh, but when we get to Friday night, they, they do a great job and, and uh, they really appreciate why it appreciates having them and they appreciate a quarterback that if they do miss something is able to get out of the way. Yeah. Right. They don't look so bad about it, you know. So he is able to do that. But uh, and then defensively, same, same, same basic guys. I mean, we we roll a lot of guys offensively and defensively the same. Um, offensively, they stay the same on the line the whole time. And then uh, defensively, uh, you know, we're rotating, you know, six, seven guys, eight guys in that defensive line to make sure they stay fresh. Um, so they just do it. They just do a great job up front. Um, so defensive line, we add a couple of other guys. Uh, uh, Caden Mittens added to those five I told you, and then uh, Ch Charlie um, Doyle goes in, and uh, Gavin Sidock. So you know those five guys plus three other guys. So we're rotating eight, nine guys up front, and it's really tough. And that's and that's the big thing that I think that uh, the coaches after the games are done, they talk about. It, said we know we knew that um, you know Jay Nettington and and Bowery boys and those guys, we knew they were going to be tough to do stuff with, but we didn't. They didn't realize how good our offensive and defensive lines were. And and Ted, you've been down the field. I mean, you know that they oh yeah, they just don't move very far. You know, they're 
they're, they're, they're pretty immovable both directions, you know, and, and that's, it causes some really big headaches for those guys. Yeah. One of the games I was watching last night, oh no, it was the Michigan game. Uh, they were talking about how the, the, the offensive line, you don't see the side of their numbers that's straightforward and that's exactly what they do. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. For sure. You saw the touchdown that JJ McCarthy ran for. I don't know if you guys saw the clip. You could the yeah. the mics on the field picked up right after yep. he scored. He said, "Thank you so much, guys," to his offensive so, line. That's so cool. And um, I mean, Jared, I know you've talked about it before that just how dominant your offensive line was when you played and how it kind of made things easy for you. You know, just slinging the rock back there. Um, we we talked about it before we started recording. How you know we all love Corona Corona football, of course and how Corona is a football town. I wanted to rattle off some numbers that we all might find interesting. So 1996, I'm not, I didn't go back to Ted's days or even your, your that, dad. That's okay. That's okay. Okay. I went back basically in mid nineties, 1996, the legendary 96 team that, that we all remember. I remember as a kid going to Atwood stadium and watching that, that game against Lumen Christie. That was so cool. Right. Uh, 96, the nine, nine game regular season offense scored 180 points. Defense gave up 115. 2002, my team that you were the head coach of, last nine and zero team that you guys might you guys might change this year actually for Corona. We scored 240 points. That's a big increase, you know, for Corona football. Only gave up 92. Pretty dominant defense. 2004 that you mentioned. I have I have a bunch of friends that played on that team. You were the head coach of that. 245 points on offense. 151 given up on defense. Jump all the way up to Jared's team, and this tells you how much football has changed. 372 points on offense in a nine-game regular season. You guys gave up 137 on defense. But you guys this year are on pace in your nine-game regular season to score 394 points on offense and only give up 56 points in in the nine-game regular season. Those are just insane numbers because you just think about, you know, traditional – you, you were talking about how, how high school football has changed in general, but even just specifically at Corona, you know, kind of a traditional ground and pound smash mouth program. Can you just talk about even, you know, my 20 years ago for me, you know, we were we were a little different for Corona, throwing the ball a little more. And then you fast forward to Jared's team, breaking every record. And then your guys' team this year is going to have every record shattered, probably just how the game has changed, even from strength and conditioning to preparation to just even the game in general, how things have changed. Yeah. You've seen it all. I mean, you've been around Corona forever. I, well, it feels like it that, that way. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll back up to Ted's, Ted's time. And I think the first, and, and probably up until the time, even when I was playing in the, in the eighties and to, you know, late eighties, the, the best players you, you always started. I mean, obviously start, you want your, your offensive line to be good, but the best player generally speaking, wasn't always the quarterback. It was the tailback. You know, or or a main running back, and um, and then as as we proceeded and got into the '90s, you know, you your quarterback had to be uh, a multifaceted, multi-talented player, and and so then, and I think we see that all the way through. You know, obviously everything seems to start in the NFL or college and work its way down and trickle down, and 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 that's what we're seeing, I think, and and so. I think the other thing that happened was with the proliferation, and and I, I jokingly say that Tony and it's another thing Tony and East did. At least I remember Tony in 88, 89, we go over to uh, Burton Bentley High School because Tony and a couple other guys from the Flint area started doing seven-on-sevens my my junior and senior year in high school. And so once the seven-on-sevens came in, um, you know, the idea of spread formation, obviously, obviously flex became that, you know, that flex bone option became a little spreading guys out versus keeping them more con- condensed. 
Um, and everybody started, you know, it was, uh, you know, first it was keeping up with the Joneses, then it was one up in the Joneses, you know, and what yeah. can we do next here and what can we do there? And um, I think that, you know, the basic parts of football have stayed the same, but the way they do things, I mean, with our, you know, Jared, uh, Jared, you know, running RPO type stuff and, and the play action things that, that they did in 2015 and 16, it's just gone off steroids off of that. I mean, right. a, a triple option anymore, you still get that dive fake look, but now it's a quarterback and, you know, he could be popping too. I, I saw a really cool play the other day, actually. We didn't even incorporate that with us, but the tight end ran a flat, flat down the line of scrimmage, you know, and that, that that's a triple option these days. Yeah. Um, so, so some traditional pieces of football, as far as the, the names of the plays are there, but the way we do things. And I, honestly, um, kids, kids are so fast these days. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Especially uh, on that turf, right? Well, not, yeah, not only that turf, but just in, <laughs> I mean, just in general, the kid, kid speed and quickness and, yeah. um, you know, in, 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 in all PE, you know, PE classes, you know, we used to look forward to playing basketball all the time. <laughs> Not, you know, kids, not, they don't do that anymore, you know, and, it, and it's a right. good thing. I'm not complaining, but, you know, they're doing plyo boxes and lifting and, and, and very, you know, Kyle Robinson did a really great job um, in our, in our P classes over the last 10 years. You know, they, they, all these different specialized uh, lifts that, that develop speed and, and, and explosiveness and, and that, you know, that's not uh, unique. That's the norm across, right. uh, across things. So the more athletic kids they, they, they get, the, the faster they get. Um, and then, it's basically like anything else, you know, speed and space. Yeah. And, you know, that's what made, that's what made Goodrich uh, um, a little unique. And I think that's why last year they, they kind of, they kind of bulldozed their way through, you know, everybody's spread out and, and trying to, trying to get back to defending a, a power offense. You know, a lot of teams are like, holy shit. I mean, not only right. two, sorry. Uh, you know, they're good. <laughs> uh, they're good. They were a really good football team, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like in the old days back in the, uh, in the eighties and nineties when everybody had to face army on that one off week. Right. You know, right. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how to face army. Well, that was Goodrich last year. Right? And we, we did a horrible job of it. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we did it, in fact, I think Jared, did you watch the game? I'm not sure if you, uh, yeah. Yep. I mean, you, you, knowing that coach Heine was working with us, you, you saw 53 defense. I mean, you saw what we called tough or Eagle. And, and that's, you know, we did that when you played, uh, right. we did that when you played though. I mean, that was, so if you're going to play a, a defense or an offense that's going to run old fashioned, you bring back old fashioned defenses, you know, right. <laughs> and that's what we did. But for the most part, kids these days, it's speed and space. We played Pinckney. Ted, you're on the sideline there. Oh yeah. And uh, they weren't they weren't that great of a team, but that number 21, I mean, he was he was getting loose. Yeah. You know, and and one guy, I mean, I don't think one guy can can win a game for you, but one guy can definitely give you a heck of a lot of headaches these days on right. the, on the way on the route concepts and the way they do things and the RPO actions and things like that, that you have to really figure out where those guys are. You know, number, number uh, 20 from Brandon, uh, the Hickmock kid, you know, he's got a walk on offer from Michigan. I mean, he, he gives you headaches too, trying to figure out where this kid is going to be. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that people can score points. I mean, what last night, I think I, I stayed up because I was watching uh, LSU Mississippi, right? Oh, yeah. 53, 40, not whatever the score ended up being. Yeah. I mean, it was, that was insane. And, and, you know, they used to what call uh, SEC big boy football when it was like 13-9. You know, right, right. Everybody else scoring tons of points, but no, that's football these days. People can yep. score and use. I just don't understand how uh, head coaches stay, or I mean, uh, defense corners can stay more than three or four years in a spot because right. they lose their minds. So. Yeah. You, you mentioned kind of your, you know, ace in the hole as 
per se, uh, with Buck Heine and Jason Melliga <laughs> coming back to coach and all the, this great staff you, you've assembled. Um, has any of this surprised you this year? Because uh, me on the outside looking in, I, when I was kind of, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I was analyzing <laughs> your team. I was saying like, okay, they'll score on anybody, but, you know, they, they might get r- ran through a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. You guys have been arguably better on defense than you have been on offense all year. I mean, only giving up seven points uh, is the highest you've given up all year. Has that surprised you at all, how, how stingy this defense has been? Um, you know, this is a cop-out answer. I'm going to say yes and no. Um, <laughs> you know, Rob, uh, last year, uh, you know, Rob Milton, Rob Milton's done a great job as our defensive coordinator. He did a good job last year and, and, um, he's really grown over the summer. We, we, in the, in the, in the winter and, and, you know, we brought Buck and, and, and Jason in to compliment him, help him out, you know, kind of give him some, uh, ideas for Goodrich and a couple other games here and there. Um, but you know, he's worked really well with our kids last year. We struggled a little bit. Uh, he brought in a new uh, coverage system, which is really, really unique for Corona, not for, not for some other places, especially there, which is that, that match zone match, um, concepts where, you know, he used to, he used to, uh, you know, run zone. And I'm, I'm going to swear here for a second, but Jared heard this before, you know, we always said when we were in zone, we, we, we cover ass, not grass. And, and that was the old fashioned way to do it. You know, you, you, you get a DB sitting in their zone and they're hanging out and, and um, we don't play that. I mean, basically, like everybody, big colleges and high schools and good colleges and high schools play is, you know, you're playing a match zone where you're reading number two receiver, read number one. And even though the corner's outside, he may he may actually jump a number two receiver running vertical into into, you know, kind of a, a tweener area between the, the middle third and outside third. And, and the free safety may come down and pick up the uh, short thing. And what that does is it allows those guys up front. We confuse that quarterback for the half second, second, and and then the big guys up front get to them. So um, Rob brought that in, and he's done a really good job with that. Some of the things that um, you know, obviously Buck and Jason have been able to bring to the table defensively. So I knew if we put some great minds together with the talent we had, we had potential. Now, did I think we'd be doing as well as we are, Jared? No, yeah. I, that'd be a lie. And uh, you know, I, uh, I, I I'm surprised at how few points we've given up. Um, I thought we'd be good, um, but we, we are definitely um, a little better than I thought we would be. And uh, that, that's a, obviously a great thing. Our linebacker play has been great, uh, Jay Nettington and Dane Zeman. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I'm surprised uh, a little bit was because Dane Zeman was a little unknown. Um, Xavier Anderson played linebacker for us at the Will, did a really great job for two years. And uh, Colin Thompson graduated. He had been a three-year starter for us. So we had some question marks there at the linebacker core, we knew Jaden was obviously going to be a fantastic player. Um, but Dane Zeman had injured his knee as a freshman, or excuse me, last year's sophomore year before the season started, had knee surgery and didn't even play as a, as a 10th grader. Um, and he's come in and just been outstanding as our will linebacker. Um, Parker Isham had played corner, actually uh, was a cor- starting corner on our uh, district championship team in 2001. And, uh, Fortunately, whether he likes it or not or whatever, but he, he gained about 15 or 20 pounds in the last year. And so now he's, yeah. now he's a, our dog, Sam linebacker kind of guy. And, and so, you know, on Friday night, we slid him into the box and, and he, he came up big on a lot of plays. He also um, he also put him out there. I don't know if you watch you know, when you're watching the game um, when Macklem uh, number nine for Gooders was playing in the first half. Uh, anytime we thought, thought that he was going to pass, we, we had Tarek on him, but. A little more insurance. We we slid uh, we slid uh, um, um, Aisha out there to jam him, aka back in the uh, Van Loon days of the early 2000s, where the <laughs> tiny would always put Van Loon out there and knock a receiver flat. You know we couldn't knock, yeah. him, knock him flat, but that's what we did. We doubled up that way, 
you jam them, come off, and either cover flats or get down and, and blitz blitz inside. Too. So, yeah, I, I I appreciate those guys and 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 uh, the development we've made from a coaching staff and from a player standpoint. So, you know, we're really enjoying this conversation. So we'll keep it going a little bit longer. Um, you know, you, you talked about Isham and some of the other seniors, and I want to just go back. We, you know, you talk about you're on the board of the youth football and. When we saw these kids, you know, obviously the, the ones that stood out right at the very beginning were the Bauer twins, but that whole senior class, very talented, uh, you know, and, and you don't always have the opportunity when you see them as third and fourth graders, you, they look like they have all the potential in the world. You think they're going to be great, but you just never know how they're going to develop. A lot of that has to do with mom and dad, has to do with the teachers, has to do with coaches, but to see that group come all the way up and living up to their potential right now, that has to be extremely gratifying. Talk about some of your star players. I mean, you know, we know why it all starts with Wyatt Bauer, the quarterback, putting up first-team All-State numbers without a doubt. I mean, 80% on the year. I mean, just looking at where he's at right now, 35 touchdown passes in the last two years, two interceptions. He's 57 out of 72 this year, 16 touchdowns. One pick came the other night. Start with him and talk a little bit about your seniors that, that, that get a lot of the pub, but well-deserved. I mean, it's it, it's got to almost be like when he throws an incomplete pass, it's almost got to be like, what happened? Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just crazy. And he did he did throw his first interception on Friday night, and, and that was one of those ones, and, and Jared, you've been there, that uh, you, you got that window, you know, and you, you think you have it, and – it was more of a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a decision standpoint. It was more of a technique standpoint. You know, he kind of was falling away. Yeah. And and in order to, to make the throw that he made, he, he needed to be more on that front foot, kind of drive, driving it home. And, and so it, when he got off with that one, he's just like, as on me, I, I don't know what I was thinking there, <laughs> but um, I will talk with Wyatt in a second, but I want to go back and, and, and talk sure. to, uh, about Tarek first, because something happened a few weeks ago that I think, I think shows you, um, one, the impact that athletes have. Two, the character of our team. Um, I was, I, I, as assistant principal, I'm able to see video sometimes of things that happen. I got sent a video. Uh, there was an incident in the high school. Two eighth graders were kind of getting into it in the hallway, um, kind of breaking into a fight. And uh, Tarek and, and a couple other kids were walking by. And it was, uh, for everybody, obviously you guys all know the high school, it was right by the elevator area there. And you can actually see on camera, he walks by and, and all of a sudden it catches attention. He turns around. He walks right over the two boys that are fighting, pokes both of them and says, let's go. And literally breaks the fight up and takes the two of them down to the office and sits <laughs> them down. And uh, the, the two kids, they never even argued. They're like, okay, I guess we got to go. You know? <laughs> so it's that kind of character, that kind of leadership and, yeah. and, that, and the impact that uh, that you can have. And we tell our kids that, but some people don't always believe that, but it's, it's really a big deal. Um when when your when your athletes and your your football team and your players are are good people with high character and, and they do the right thing, so that was a it was a that was probably one of the more gratifying things I've ever seen. Um, you know, definitely off the football field. Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, Wyatt, I was able to go um, over to the Kiwanis Club of Flint. Uh, he was honored as the September Athlete of the Month uh, over there for the Flint Kiwanis, and and uh, yeah, he's 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 a tremendous person. I mean, he's amazingly calm. Um, We've, uh, he, he just, he just has uh, a maturity about him that that's just very impressive. And, 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 I, and that's, that's, that's why he doesn't get rattled. You know, it, it seems like he's so, and I think that's that for sure. That's why he throws so few interceptions, you know, right. it, it just make the play, take your time. He has a good line, but, 
you know, that, that throw to, um, to his brother, you know, for the touchdown on Friday night, you know, they, he had Mac, they had Mac all spun around. He had rolled to his left and yes, mm. he's, he is able to throw a 60 yard rope across the field right. you know, basically against his um, body. The, the ability is good too. Right. Obviously. Right. So. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, he, he just has, that was, to me, that was actually the second most impressive throw. The most impressive throw was when Macklin did go out of the game um, with that broken rib. Mm. And they, the very next play, they put the, they put uh, a different corner in. And, and I, you know, I looked at our offense coordinator. I said, we're, we're going to go after this kid. Right. He said, Oh yeah, it's already called. And, <laughs> and uh, if you go back and look at the film, I, I think it's close to 55 or 60 yards. Um, Cause we, he would have been, he would have released it somewhere inside the 25 yard line. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure Tarek caught it uh, on the other, on the 35 or, or somewhere around there, the ball was in the air. Um, so he could, he could, he can rip it. I mean, yeah. and uh, it was a, it was a pretty impressive throw. And, um, but by the way, Matt, I ought, I ought to tell you is that every time I see corners come in and we take advantage, it always takes me back to Owasso. It's one of my favorite, uh, <laughs> Jared, you'd appreciate this one. Um, so in 2002, uh, we're beating Owasso. We're, we're, we're throwing uh, the deep 12 to 10 comeback routes and, and Matt's just having a field day with the, with the Owasso's <laughs> corner and Kyle, they're almost, not almost, I think Kyle and Matt were laughing at it so much because yeah. we just kept doing it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Nolan Ryan guy. If the K your fastball, throw for 27 right. outs and go home, right? Yeah. So we just kept going after this kid and going after this kid and going after this kid. And so then Owasso changes the corner. And then I, I, I pull these guys aside and the conversation, basically, let's have some real fun now. Now, now run it as a, as a deep out and up. And because, you know, all they've done is right. tell us, don't get beat on the out. And yep. Matt walks into the end zone with a touchdown 30 <laughs> seconds later. So uh, Great play. <laughs> you know. It's just a matter of you know having good players um, yeah. who can who can execute and uh, Kyle and and Matt obviously Tarek and Wyatt um, you know there's lots of yeah. guys and you, you had you had lots of guys there that you could throw to so it right. worked out really well. Yeah, and and part of that, I, I appreciate you bringing that story up. I don't sometimes I don't think Jared believes me when I try and tell him my my old glory day stories, but uh, well, he definitely doesn't believe mine. I know that. <laughs> Well, that, I, know, I can't even vouch for yours, so I don't even. <laughs> no, it's statistically proven those were not glory days. Going 0-9 is not glory days. That, that's why when I when I brought up the the point differentials, that's why I didn't go back to Ted's days. I didn't want to didn't want to talk about that. But yeah, uh, we've been talking about youth football a little bit, and again, I, I brought up some of my friends that were on that 2004 team. Some of them are very involved because their kids are now starting to come up in youth football, and they're involved in the youth football program. And I love talking to them about it because they, they talk about the youth football like they're talking about Michigan football, you know, and they, they talk about, oh, man, this class coming through second, third grade. They're going to be nice in about 10 years, you know, and stuff like that. That wasn't as big of a thing back back when I played. I mean, we had uh, my dad actually started the, the kicks team back um, yeah, when I was in sixth grade. But, you know, the overall youth football program wasn't really a thing back back in my day. And really, it's funny, it, it, 20 years ago, it wasn't that long ago. Can you just talk about maybe like how big that is for the program and how important it is to establishing uh, a program and having success, you know, year in and year out? Obviously, talent's going to go up and down a little bit. But, I mean, when you've got kids that have been playing tackle football together since they were in second, third grade, right. and now 10 years later, they're on the varsity level. That's that's such a big thing for a program success. It, it is, and our youth football program does a great job. Uh, Todd Holmes is in charge of that right now as the president. We have a lot of other people that that really work behind the scenes as that uh, with youth football. 
Um, it, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's just a matter of teaching them the game the right way. And, that, and that's mm-hmm. the most important part for me to be involved. Um, there was years ago, and I, I quote it, and I, I probably should go back and f- actually find the study so I don't just keep saying, oh, yeah, the study I read about. But, you know, there was a thing um, several years ago that I read that 85% of the kids that stopped playing a sport, any sport, not just football, but any sport, um, 85% of them that stop, don't stop because they don't like it. They stop because they have a bad experience with a coach, especially at the youth level. Mm-hmm. And and I, 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 I work with our coaches and I tell them, I said, listen, I don't, I don't care if you're 0-6 or 6-0. Uh, you know, teach them the game correctly, have, have a lot of fun and get them to ninth grade. You just get them right. to ninth grade, you know, and, 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 and have an opportunity to play in high school and see if it's something they really, really want to do. And, and to that end, one of the things that we, we created back in 2015 that we had never had before was a flag football program. Yeah. And we use the NFL jerseys and the, and the flags. And uh, we worked with that. And, and, and in 2015, actually, when Jared was still in high school, um, we had right. 22 kids. Uh, right now we have about, I think, 88 or 90, wow, 91 wow. kids playing flag football in kindergarten through fourth grade. Wow. And, and that's, that's led to big numbers for our, our, our maintained, I should ma- say maintained old numbers we used to have. Because obviously right. sports in general, post-COVID stuff, numbers are shrinking. Um, but in our third and fourth, we have two third and fourth grade teams that have over 20 some players on them. Yeah. We have a fifth grade team that has almost 27, 28 players. We have a sixth grade team with 25 players. You know, and you're talking about. And the, the, the sixth grade team, especially now they're 0 and three right now. And they're, and my son, my, my youngest son's on that team. And it's <laughs> at times it's hard to watch um, because they don't always do things correctly. Dustin Bauer is actually coaching. He's frustrated at times, but there's 20, 25 boys on this team. And there, this class, and I, I'm bringing this up only to kind of show you the, the, the I, what I appreciate is the, the excitement about football and Corona. This class is an anomaly. It's the smallest class in K through 12. And we, we're shrinking too, but they only have 98 kids in this class. And that, oh, that's wow. about that's about 30 or 40 less than the average class has. Right. But think about that. They have 98 kids, only about 49 boys, but 25 of them are playing football. Good. I mean, you go you go to Grand Blank, and if you get 50% of a class playing football, you got 700 kids for that. Right, right. Um, and so – Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but yeah, but that's that's the thing we're trying to do, and just have them enjoy the heck out of the game and learn the game, and and you know, just we we've taken a lot of things that you that are, that were silly in football. Um, we don't we don't you know used to go to youth football practice when I first started doing this, and they'd be running sprints for the first 15 minutes. I'm like, what right. are you doing? You want to run sprints? Fine, do it on kickoff. Teach right. them kickoff and kick return. Teach them a pursuit drill. You know how to get to the ball. Don't run. You know what? What do, you, what do they want to do that for? Right. Don't do silly tackling drills. You know, don't line them up five yards apart and have them run like battering rams at each other. So you know, <laughs> hey, you see right. YouTube videos all the time, and you know, right. yeah, you can appreciate the funniness of that once in a while. But developing kids in programs that no. that runs them out of there. You know. Yeah. Plus, we have so many other things like tackle wheels and different bags, and 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 heck, even at the high school level, I can honestly tell you, we we only put pads on on Tuesdays. You know, mm-hmm. Mondays we're in helmets and shorts and. And we only go shells on Wednesday and, and on Thursday, we, we, we do what we've always done, you know, jerseys and, and, and shorts and helmets. And that's what we do. And, you know, we've gotten a lot smarter in, in some areas. And, and sometimes it doesn't always trickle down to these youth coaches in the right. who are who are good people. And, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about ours. I'm talking about you see them on, sure. on videos yep. that they they have a perception of what their playing time was. And, and it's kind yeah. of cute a little bit. You know, they might remember one drill one time and they extrapolate that. To, we got to do this every day. No, no, you don't. 
The um, Oklahoma drill that you see oh, every coach wanting to do with, with fifth graders, their, right. their helmets are bigger than their whole body. And you're yeah. like, why are you doing the Oklahoma drill with these kids? hundred percent. And I, and I, and the reason I, and the thing I bring up about the sprints is this, I always said this cause I, I did coach uh, youth football when Jaden was going through. And the thing that always cracked me up was I said, listen, why are you running sprints? And they said, well, we want to get them in shape. I said, well, when the game's over next week, okay. Game's over right. next week. Watch what the kids do after the game and what you do after the game. And I think right. <laughs> Who should be running the sprint? Because you're tired and they're going to play more football in the backyard. Right. I think they're in shape. Yeah, they're fine. Trying to make them do good things with youth football. And I I think that's increased the numbers. It's, it's, you know, I'm a part of it. So please, I mean, understand we have great people in Corona. I just trying to do my part to, to keep the excitement going and, and, and keep the kids involved. But, but our, our youth football board and our youth football coaches, you know, like the guys you're mentioning that you played with from Timmy Caswell and, and, and all those guys that are doing great things, Dustin and those guys, I appreciate the heck out of them because they're, they're more essential to the, to the, the growth and the extended success of Corona football than I am. Um, but they're really important people and I appreciate the heck out of them. So. I've got one more quick one. I, we're, we're keeping you for a while, but this is fun, Coach. Um, kind of along those same lines. I love whether we have Clint Galvis on or John Webb from Durand or we had uh, Matt Walter on from Chessonane, who who actually we're, we're probably going to talk about them in a minute. Chessonane's mm-hmm. making a little noise this year, too. Um, I love asking them about the community support. And we're talking about Corona a lot, obviously. But looking at pictures and some of the videos that I saw Friday night at the, the Goodrich game, I mean, it reminded me back to some of the playoff games that we hosted, you know, in, in my my senior year where it was standing room only. It, it looked like what Comerica Park is going to look like today in Miggy's final game. I mean, stands packed, people lining the fence, all that. Like, how cool is that? I mean, for you. But I mean, I just remember as a player, when you come out and see that, that just gives you that extra juice. How cool is it to see? you know, that, that community support and everything they're, they're buying in obviously. Well, it was great. I mean, it was, it was kind of like that in a way. I mean, they, I, I was kind of surprised when Chris Dinas told me that uh, um, they were going to open the gates at five 30 because everybody <laughs> was standing in the parking lots, you know, and they wanted to get people out of the parking lots. And they were getting hit by cars and, and that, you know, reminded me of back then. And um, so we actually walk over at five 30 from the high school. And so when, you know, it's, it's pretty cool for the guys to walk up and already see, you know, a hundred, plus or more people already in the stands when they, when all they're doing is walking out the stretch and listening to music and do their pregame stuff. So it is very cool. Uh, when we went to Owasso, you know, being on the road so much, um, when we got to Owasso, I, I, I was blown away um, at, you know, our crowd for the Owasso game. Uh, t- you know, you guys saw it obviously from, from your, the press box. Yeah. There was, it, I couldn't go, I couldn't go anywhere. I mean, in Owasso, of course, you know, they're right on top of you. You can't, you yeah, can't, right. That you, you, People are like, do you block them out? I do, but except when they're six feet away, you know, you can't, you can't miss them, you know. And, yeah. and they're being positive. Of course, they the referees got on me. That you know, anytime I complain, they're like, Coach, you got to stop because you're riling your fans up. I said, Well, I don't think it's me that's riling the fans up. <laughs> right. You might have something to do with it too here. You might right. take half the half the yeah. credit. But um, no, our our fans have been great. Our people are great. Um, they're just excited and and enjoying enjoying our 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 team and our our time that we're having right now and working together. And, and I should really, really appreciate them. And um, before, before we go, I, I do want to tell you, I, Matt Walter is doing a tremendous job. I've been very, I've uh, had a lot of fun. <clears throat> Most people don't know this, but um, when he got the job two years ago, um, you know, I reached out to him um, and John Webb too, two years ago. And and actually the last couple of years, uh, John and, 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 and Matt and I, we've been doing things in the summer, you know, okay. and, and so we've worked together. We've done, 
uh, some camps. We've done um, some team stuff with seven on seven. And so I, I knew that both last year when Duran did their thing, yeah, they had a lot of seniors, but I knew that John was doing the right stuff because I'd watched him work with his kids. And, and I knew that, and again, this, this summer, watching Matt put his things together. I said, you know, you guys got a really good shot. You got your, the kids were bought in from Chesaning. They were working hard. Um, they weren't necessarily the biggest, but they're, they're really scrappy. So I, I, I it's a, Matt's doing a great job. I, I, you know, I text him after the big win against the little throw and, and uh, he texted me this week and said, Hey, nice job, coach. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. And so, you know, he's, he's a good guy. And I think he's a really good fit for Chesaning. And yeah. uh, I think he's doing things the right way. So I really appreciate that. And it looks like John's turning things around a little bit. He had a young team at Duran, but they're three and three now. Three so. and three. So they're 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 uh, catching some wind here and getting some experience under them. So great guys. Um, wish the programs the best. Like obviously we don't play them anymore. They're traditional yeah, right. rivals that we'll probably never play again, oh, um, unfortunately. Yeah. But that's just the way things go. But I appreciate our community. I appreciate you guys. It's always good talking. You know, I yeah, you know, we could let's sit around and talk about <laughs> football all day. You know, you never <laughs> lost for words. Yeah. Well, yeah. just. Steve, just make sure you get us uh, a link or whatever to get one of those Coronas of Football Town shirts. We got to get those. Yeah, let me put that on poster right now. I'll make All sure. Right. That, uh, <laughs> that's cool. Hey, we really appreciate the time. Uh, the best of luck down the road. I'm sure we'll catch up with you sometime around playoff time. But Clio this week, next game up. And then uh, we'll be following you the rest of the way. Great job over there, Corona. This has been a real fun conversation. Yeah, for me too, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a good day. See you, appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, Coach. All right, we have uh, a little bit more on the Prep Spotlight right after this. Jacobs Insurance Agency has served Shiawassee County and the surrounding areas since 1977. Just like Three Point Podcasts, we've had three generations, Gary Jacobs Sr., Gary Jacobs II, Brian Jacobs, and myself, Noah Jacobs, serving our community with offices in Waterford and Owasso on M21, just west of Home Depot. Stop in or go online to jacobsinsurance.com to get a quote or get your questions answered by our team. Jacobs Insurance is a proud supporter of our local schools and the proud sponsor of the Prep Spotlight. Insure everything, local, independent, and trusted. It's our family working together to protect yours. That's the Jacobs way. All right, guys, it's great talking with Coach Herrick. I mean, you never know where these coaches' conversations are going to go, but that one was a little bit near and dear to our heart as we're all yeah, three yeah. Cavaliers. I mean, that was yeah. that was a lot of fun with Steve. And I'm going to just start right off with just a quick little recap of the game on Friday night, 35-7 to over Goodrich. Corona just stomped on them. Running clock now all six games. Cavaliers 517 yards to 159. I mean, uh, Cowdery came in with a couple of clutch passes to Bryce Eddington. Eddington had a highlight reel uh after catch, you know, run down the sideline with three different jukes. I mean, that was one of the plays of the year. Uh, He had a huge game, seven catches, 170 yards and a couple scores on top of that interception. And again, you heard the stats on Wyatt Bauer. I mean, it's just, this team is so impressive, you know, and I don't want to get too giddy because you know how we always get with the lions in Michigan. There's always that little hesitation, but man, they have it all. They right now they keep it rolling. I mean, they have all the tangibles, man. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, the Lions connection. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't say it last week, but I actually right. had it written down in my notes that, and this is something that's gone back to you know whether it was Matt's time as a football team, my time, my right. brother's time, especially whatever. Is I always kind of felt like Corona was almost like a Notre Dame in a way, where it's mm-hmm. like every time there was that big game, it's like you're finally getting the getting yourself up for it. Fans are getting up for it, and it's like we would just lay a dud. It, right. it felt like that almost all the way through my career as well, especially through my brothers. I remember, 
Uh, and so to see them go out there, biggest game of the year, everyone in the state's watching this game, probably biggest game in the state, honestly, on Friday. Yeah. And to come and put on a show like they did, I mean, it's hard not to make you proud as, yeah. as Corona alums. I mean, it's just not something I'm used to. It's not something sure. any of us are used to. I mean, how it many does. times I mean, have you had these big matchups kind of built up and you get there and it, and it ends up turning into a dud? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had friends texting me, you know, because they were seeing either updates on Facebook, updates on, you know, Twitter, whatever they were seeing. Friends texted me like, man, Corona's for real, huh? And, you know, it's stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, Ted, I mean, Ted, you you guys were saying on the broadcast, you know, to move on in the playoffs. Yeah, you, you know, you have an electric quarterback, you know, and right. that, they're, they're ta- they, that takes you so far. But you do have to have some balance. You I do. think that's one thing, and it's not taking a shot at Goodrich, but they, they excel, obviously, at running the ball. But Corona f- got ahead. And they put them in a position where they had to throw the ball to catch up. And that is not Goodrich's strength. No. And, you know, that could come back to bite them down the road. Corona right now is as balanced as you can be as a high school football offense. I mean, the passing numbers you mentioned from Wyatt, but then he 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 might break every rushing record also Very at possible. Corona. And then obviously Jada, you know, their their actual running back right. is, you know, is really good also. So the balance they have, and then you know we talked about it. Their their defense is finally starting to get some love too. They got it all. I mean, it's all right there. Hopefully, yeah. the guys can stay grounded. And like we've said before, eight weeks. You know, basically October, November. Right. Stay focused for these eight weeks because you're. This is stuff you're going to remember for the rest of your life. You know. And by the you know by the way, we joked about it a little bit. And it, you know, I am semi-retired, but I wasn't going to step away from this Corona Cavalier football program in <laughs> right. any stretch. But I will tell you guys with no hesitation, I am enjoying a little bit different of a, of a, of a role in these broadcasts of Corona games where I can just commentate, you know, give some perspective from my, you know, many, many years of watching football. I feel so comfortable that, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you bring in somebody else to take over play by play from a, from a guy that's been doing it frankly for 40 years. But I got to say real here, right here, Casey Smith has stepped right in and, it just amazes me how good he is so early. He's got a big career in front of him, even as a part-time gig, doing local games on the radio. I'm just really proud of him, and I think he's doing a great job. It, it, I know I know that's true, that you mean that when you say that, because you never said that about me when I was calling games. So. <laughs> no, no, that never happened. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's your notes. It's right. I listened to your guys' call for the first time this year. Uh, when I was working, you know, it's Miggy weekend as we've been talking right. about all podcasts, so it's been kind of all hands on deck. Um, but yeah, I was loving it, man. I mean, the three man booth, you guys <laughs> weave it well. Um, it's almost like kind of like you're a second play by play guy, yeah. Like, it's kind of, I love the little back and forth you guys have, it's pretty awesome. It's almost like two play by plays, uh, calling the game. You guys spent about 20 minutes discussing the origins of the Martian nickname, <laughs> uh, which I appreciated, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what but what can you tell us about being actually there at uh, the field? I mean, you've seen more current football than anybody. Yeah. Best environment you've seen maybe maybe ever? Or where is it rank? Without a doubt for a regular season game, uh, it's right there. I mean, I always go back to that first Corona Owasso game. It was so highly anticipated. You know, generations all in our area in Corona Owasso always said, why don't they play? Why don't they play? And then, you know, the word was, well, of course, Owasso had everything to lose. Corona had everything to gain. Because right. it was such a big difference in in enrollments, and that's yeah. kind of changed nowadays. That very first Corona and Owasso football game at the Nick was 
unbelievable. And this was right there with it. I mean, I think I said it in the setup of the game, you know, going before that kickoff, it had a regional final feel to it with fans lined up all along the side of the fans or the stands jam packed on both sides. I mean, it it was incredible. And if we, I think I posted it on my Twitter site, Josh Pickler uh, did a little hype video about a minute and a half. Uh, He works for the uh, GLIAC and uh, put a great little thing together with a drone and showing you the the fans. It was really neat, but yeah, it was a great atmosphere, Jared. Great atmosphere. And you know, all the local media was there and, you know, Tyler friend of the pod now who does the Michigan high school football frenzy Twitter page, he was there. So even some other people from around the state that cover the sport were there. So like you said, Jared, I'm glad Corona didn't lay a dud because that, that would have been pretty disappointing. But I know we, we talked to um, Coach Eric about he, he brought up Justin Ain and mm-hmm. Duran turning around New Lothrop. I mean, some other area teams. I mean, they're they're making a little noise. I know I, I've got a connection to Perry. They had a big win, too. So, yeah. Some, while you bring that games. up, I mean, Justin Ain downed over to Elsie, 28-19, now 5-1, and 4-0 in the league, probably going to win the Mid-Michigan Athletic Conference. Braden Florian, another big game. New Lothrop, you know, kind of getting lost on the shuffle a little bit this right. year because they had that one loss to Chesanine, but they're now 5-1. and one. Their QB, Jack Kohanek, had another big game. You mentioned the Railroaders, no problem against uh, Flint Southwestern, 58-8. to eight. Braden Kelly, three touchdown passes, and as Coach Eric alluded to, they even their record at 3-3. Three and three. Young team for John Webb, but he's righted the ship a little bit. And then uh, Perry. 48 to six, uh, you know, their quarterback over there, 220 yards passing, four touchdowns, ran for 110, another TD. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Is it Poirier? But Austin Poirier, big game for the Ramblers. So some good football in our area, fellas. Yep. Heading towards right, what well, three three games to go, right? Heading right towards the playoffs. That that's right. It's coming going down the stretch for sure. Well, Go ahead, Jared. No, I was just going to say, I mean, if you're, I mean, how much fun, I mean, it's us as we're not the ones in the locker room, you know, every day, but you don't want Corona to look ahead, but no, I mean, what a fun matchup that crossover game should be uh, yeah. on Saturday. Ted, I hope you get the, the chance to call it because I mean, what a great accomplishment that would be for Corona to win, you know, a crossover game like that, basically win the entire uh, whole of the conference against a lot bigger schools. It'd be really, yeah. really cool. Well, yeah. like 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 coaches always say, one game ahead, Corona's got to get by Clyde on paper. We all think that should happen. And then uh, yep. Fenton uh, is the – they beat Linden the other night, so it'd be a Corona-Fenton matchup, which would be really good. But nice nice thing about that, was it's at Corona. Yeah, I'll say, is it a home, and how about that, a Saturday home game at Corona? That may, has that ever happened? Uh, regular season, I it probably maybe because of weather or something, but uh, – the one thing that disappo- disappointed me a little bit, though, it's going to be a Saturday night game, not a Saturday, Saturday afternoon game. Yeah. Saturday afternoon would have been cool. Yeah. It'll still be yeah, cool. I, don't, but I, don't, I hate that. I don't like whatever. it either. That kind of ruins oh, it. I hope they change it because that is the same exact time as Michigan, Michigan State, too. But that's, <laughs> oh, that's a, true. another topic. Things up this stuff, man? Sometimes I, 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 it's like we need you in these. We need you in every goddamn meeting, Ted, <laughs> so to speak some goddamn sense into some people because what is going on? Yeah, like you know, I lay out my whole football schedule, right? I, just come see me, folks. I can tell you, don't schedule it at night. Schedule it in the afternoon. Yeah. Well, wait, real quick. You're that's the fourteenth, right? Fourteenth. Yeah. Well, that 
the if you're saying Michigan, Michigan State when they play each other, that's on the 21st. Oh, it is. Oh, and then I'm off. Well, then I'm never crazy. Mind. Never mind. But, but, but I will say the point <laughs> still. Point stands. Yeah. No, thanks for the correction, though. I didn't want to look that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you you had me starting to think. I was like, is that game already in a couple weeks? But no, Saturday afternoon would be cool. But I mentioned to Coach Eric, my friends that are involved in the youth program, when we 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 talked about that game possibly being Saturday afternoon. It's funny, you know, when you become a dad and you start thinking about all this stuff. They were like. Oh, that that'd be awesome, you know, to have a Saturday afternoon game, but that interferes with our youth football program. Oh. <laughs> so I don't, there may be something with that oh, too. Yeah, so. that's you hope it's a good crowd at that game. Jake. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. You know, and and good luck to the Cavaliers. Really, that might be their their only real test the rest of the regular season. We'll see, but yeah. uh, it's going to be fun. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get into the rest of the podcast. Talk a little college and pro football right after this. As we gear up for another exciting fall sports season, Dr. Albana will again host a Monday walk-in clinic to evaluate acute orthopedic sports injuries for adolescent and high school athletes. Dr. Albana, orthopedic and sports medicine surgeon at Memorial Healthcare, will be assisted by certified PA Tara Rakoski and certified athletic trainer Alan Getzinger. Whether you're dealing with sprains, strains, bruises, or any other athletic mishaps, Dr. E and his highly skilled team can get you back on your feet and back in the game. The clinic will be held every Monday through October 16th from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Memorial Healthcare Center for Orthopedics on North Chiawassee Street in Owasso. For more information, call 989-541-BONE or visit memorialhealthcare.org. Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services is the official and exclusive realtor and broker for Three Point Podcast. Corey and her team have been providing personal, exemplary service in real estate sales since 2004. Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services are total professionals helping you sell your current house or buying your dream home. Stop in at 216 West Exchange Street in Owasso, get info online at coreyshook.com, and follow on Facebook at Corey Shook Realtor for more details. If you are looking for honesty, ambition, and expertise, you're looking for Corey Shook and Associates Real Estate Services. All right, guys, I mean, we'll start with the Wolverines. I mean, you tuned into the game at Nebraska. You look around. It's a sea of red. You're thinking, hmm, they better be ready to play today. And they were yesterday, man. J.J. led them to a big win, 45-7, to never in doubt. Just a big win for the Wolverines. I mean, they it was the type of game with that atmosphere, like you said, at Nebraska, that they – but like I was talking to a friend at work um, before the game, and he was like, what do you think about today's game? And I was like, I just hope they put it away early. In an atmosphere like Nebraska, remember last year's game or a couple years ago, you know, mm-hmm. you can't play around with Nebraska, even if they are a little down, because, you know, that that environment could kind of catch you off guard a little bit. And they did. I mean, they they put the game away early. Nebraska's offense is obviously very limited. Their their quarterback play is just not not good at all. And um, yeah, they, they did what you're supposed to do to a team that you're supposed to be on the road, put it away early. I mean, JJ and the the starters were out by mid third quarter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when, when that's happening, you know, it's a good day. Um, Corum, you know, got going on, on, on the ground, a couple touchdowns um, from JJ McCarthy. He ran one in. I mean, it, it was Nebraska coming into the game statistically had the number one rush defense. I don't know if maybe Michigan took that personally because they, I think they rushed for almost 300 yards. So, I mean, 
you know, a little bit of like a, it's a, like a ho-hum 40 point win type of thing, yeah. but it's, it's exactly first road game of the year. It's exactly what you want to see. Yeah. I, it's just, it just, they're looking so goddamn good. I, I've, yeah. I've come around so much in the last couple of weeks since Harbaugh's been back. Uh, partially it's been because you look around uh, the national landscape and it's like, man, I, of all the teams I've seen play, I think Michigan is just as good as any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and you've never been able to say that in years prior. Even last year, uh, we were still kind of like, man, this offense is really shaky. Uh, and we didn't really know what we had. Truth, truth, truth be told, Georgia was head and shoulders above everybody last year. Right. But I don't feel that's the case this year. Uh, and I think the main point of why Michigan is that way is not because of the offense, not because of McCarthy, not because of Coram. They're all great. I love watching them. Roman Wilson's had one hell of a year. Wow, what a catch. It's the defense. And it's the, it's the defense that Harbaugh has built this program on mm-hmm. ever since he arrived. Um, it's just unbelievable. We, we talk about it week after week. They lose first-round talent every single year, yet whether it's coaching, whether it's just the program as a whole, they rebuild it every single year. Uh, the, the, the number one thing that I circle on this defense is, is the defensive back. It's a secondary. Will yep. Johns, I know they've been banged up kind of, so we haven't really been able to see them in their full glory, but Mike Sanders still at that nickel corner, just one maybe one of the best in the, in the nation. Uh, and then you have Will Johnson out of the perimeter as well. Uh, Dax Hill in the Dax Hill, right? Or Mike Barrett, Mike Barrett, who I'm thinking yeah, of, yeah. not Dax Hill. Dax Hill's, <laughs> Dax Hill's been ago. gone for a while. Mike Barrett, I, yeah. I, I just love those three guys. I think they do a great yeah. job. And I, I think it's going to be tough for anybody to score on Michigan, not only just Big Ten teams, but whoever they do end up seeing uh, in postseason play. I think this defense is going to stand the test of time. Yeah, it's one of the best defenses I've ever seen. And, you know, and even offensively, they're playing loose. I mean, really loose. I mean, so loose, JJ's making out with his girlfriend on the sidelines for crying <laughs> out loud. <laughs> but, yeah. Did you have a problem with that? Huh? Did you have a problem with that? No, not at all. I, I, I think that's a salute. <laughs> that's the, the salute emoji? <laughs> exactly. No, I mean, you could, you could tell. I, Maybe, you know, it's similar to maybe what we were talking about with Corona. I mean, the, the offense yesterday and some of these other games, you can tell the coaches must basically call whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you sit there when you got McCarthy playing like he is, the offensive line. I don't even know where you can point to like a criticism right now. Right. I mean, the running game is working. Colson Loveland, you know, as the tight end is playing great. The receivers, I mean, maybe you don't have like a super speed down the field, like a Randy Moss type of running back. Right. Maybe that would be like the one thing that they're missing a little bit, but I mean, that that's starting to like, you know, nitpick, you know, they're, they're I guess maybe one thing we're still waiting for that Donovan Edwards breakout play. We're getting waiting closer, for that though. big play. He's getting closer. It looks right. like. So I feel like they, they must be telling him like, just stay the course. Cause yeah. at some, at some point you, you don't even want to talk about, you know, maybe Blake Corum getting hurt, but at some right. point they're going to need Donovan Edwards. So I'm, I'm sure the coaches are just telling them that like, and who's number 20. He looked pretty good too. That, that Mullings. Yeah. yeah. He, he came in, he, he, I think he played, you know, they all play running back in high school, but yeah. he was a linebacker last right. year and he came in last year and they gave him like those goal line fourth down right. carries. Clearly, this year he probably was practicing with the running backs all yeah. offseason because he looks completely different. I mean, that's yep. a whole different, um, I don't know, change of pace that for that offense. So, yeah, Jared, you said it. I mean, Georgia's looked rough. Florida State, Notre Dame, like every top team, even Washington, uh, they only won by seven last night against Arizona, Washington. You know, every every top team yeah. has had some hiccups. Texas, you know, has Texas has looked pretty good, but. You can't you can't say that Michigan right now hasn't looked 
as good as any team in the country. Right. And next week we're going to see exactly who Georgia is. I mean, un- unbeaten Kentucky just went into Florida and won at the uh, or no, they won at home against Florida this week. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. And they'll be they'll be at Georgia next week night game. So that's probably where college game day is if they haven't uh, announced it yet. But uh, yeah. one thing I will say, and this is kind of shocking that I'm going back on this, seeing their uniforms yesterday, it mm-hmm. kind of made me sad about all these alternates that Michigan has kind of created under, under the Harbaugh regime. Now I've always said that they they've righted the uniform ship. As soon as he came in, they converted to Jordan, but you can't beat the combo they had yesterday. Gold pants, white shirt, uh, their normal, obviously blue helmet. I just think it's so sharp and we'll probably won't see that iteration. Honestly, maybe one other time the rest of the year. I'd love it. If that was our Jersey, every single away game, uh, it's so fire. Uh, Boy, what do you guys think? Are you, that surprises are you me. That's your take really surprises me there because I thought you were the all white guy. I'm I'm no. all for the look yesterday. I yeah. I never did. I mean, I all whites look good, but this is their away uniform. That's it. Yeah, I'm with you. I I like the all whites. I think whether it's baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. whatever. I think an all white when the Lions, you know, on Thursday right. they they, they do the all white. I, I love the all white, but no, yeah, the the maize pants and right. the white jersey for Michigan. Uh, that's just classic. You can't beat it. Amen. Uh, I know we got to keep this segment tight because Jared has to go for yep. his Tiger duties. Just briefly on the on the MSU game, Iowa ended up beating them by ten. Noah Kim, you know, threw three picks. Not to pick on the guy, but man, that that's a program that is in disarray. I'm I'm not sure yes. they're going to win again this year. They may not. I mean, you know, sadly, former Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara yeah. went down for Iowa. So Iowa's on their backup quarterback. I think their starting running back was out. So Iowa shoot super shorthanded, and you can't even beat them there. You know, that that might have been the chance to win. I don't know why they're sticking with Kim, to be honest. I'm not plugged in to Michigan yeah. State football, admittedly. But, you know, they got Hauser, the backup. At some point, see what you got. I mean, Kim right. clearly is not the guy so i'll be curious if they go to hauser yeah it's got to be tough right now for sparty fans again i I was dead wrong on him i said after the first couple weeks i thought they found a good quarterback uh now time to reset the drawing board it it is surprising you said matt because i thought it was this big quarterback battle heading into yeah camp and and all that so it's it's kind of surprising that at the first sign of trouble they didn't just switch but well it shows you it shows you tucker didn't know what he was doing and had other things on his mind yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It's time to, to, to flip. What's the, what's the Seeger song? Turn the page or turn the page. page. That's it. Time, hey. to, time to turn the page, man. Good, with that, good, with that good classic rock reference there. Yeah, good job. Uh, final thought on the college football. You know, I, I've, I've been noticing some of the uh, broadcasters. I really, I'm impressed with Brock Heward as a color guy. I think he does He's a really good. good job. I like his delivery and the 13 year old Noah Eagle. I mean, <laughs> the guy, I mean, he looks like he's 13. Oh, I was he say, what? No, yeah. I mean, he's just a young kid. I, he's Ian Eagle's uh, son, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, right. He, he's he's great, man. I think he does a nice job. He's got a big future. So There's there's some good ones out there, some up-and-comers. All right, let's go to the Lions. Jared, yep. I just got to pick on you for one final time, okay? Just one okay. final time about Hutch, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> you brought up the hot take, and you, and you are our hot take guy. We appreciate that. You know, you, you think of things. I know that you had a little golf outing. There was a guy you were golfing with that you look up to. Did he sway your mind at all? Because you were a big Hutch guy coming into the season after watching last year. And then after that little golf outing, you came with a hot take. (laughs) Now I just want to know, let me finish. I want you, you have the table because I came clean a couple times on the pitch 
the pitch clock in baseball. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. I was wrong. It's improved the game. I've been wrong on other things that I'll come to the table and say, you know what? I got that wrong. Here's your opportunity. You can take it either way that you're right or wrong, but I'm going to clean, let you clean the table, have the floor, and this will be the last time I'll talk about it the rest of my life. I could have sworn <laughs> I've already apologized. And, and I don't even know if apologize. Here's the thing that I noticed as soon as I came out with that take. 97-1, it's like their lead story. It feels like the whole couple weeks after that. It's like I was the first to that take. Then everyone took it. And, and he's he clearly heard us. Uh, <laughs> right. he's, he's been a man possessed the last couple of weeks. This is what I wanted to see. I just wanted to inspire him okay. uh, yep. and, and get the best out of him. We're finally starting to see it. I told you guys off the pod, and uh, it was because I had to work during one of the Lions games when we talked. I didn't get to see the actual sacks that Hutchinson was having uh, against the Falcons, actually. When they move him around, when they move him inside, uh, especially at nose tackle, that is yep. – Honestly, I feel like what's been the kind of come to Jesus moment the last couple weeks, but they've been moving him all around uh, in the Packers. He owns them. He's their dad. They're his son, it seems like. So, I mean, how awesome was that win? To be honest, I mean, incredible. That's that was something I've never experienced in my lifetime is is a big time prime time win like that for the Lions where they dominated. Uh, I never thought I'd see it, if I'm being honest. So. Big time win, and it's kind of reestablishing that this is the Lions' division, and and they need to be taken for real. Yeah, yep. yeah, at Lambeau Field too. So I mean, just a huge division win, and it was dominating. I mean, every phase of the game. You know, if you want to talk like football talk, all three phases: offense, special teams, defense. Obviously, that defense is flying around. I mean, we we talk about the offense a lot with Jared Goff. He's playing really well. Uh, you talk about. Our Jared uh, apologizing yeah. about Hutch. I think you also need to apologize about David Montgomery, who <laughs> probably won. I never a bunch came of- out too negatively to him, did I, or did I? I, I yeah, think they all blend together, man. When when he got when he got banged up, you were saying like Jamal Williams never got hurt. Why right, did we yeah. Why did we let Jamal Williams go? And and now Jamal Williams is on the yeah. injured list or whatever. But anyway, no. Um, Saint Brown obviously is a stud. I love Saint Saint Brown Laporta. Brad Holmes again working his magic, drafting Laporta. Jared Goff is playing great. I mean, again, kind of like what we were saying about Michigan. I'm not really sure where you can criticize the Lions right now, honestly. No. I mean, offensive line, defensive line, um, the secondary with Cam Sutton, and you know, obviously, well, the bit health, maybe Brian right. Branch, hopefully he's all right. Um, you know, a couple offensive linemen are a little dinged up, but no, Lions, uh, most complete team, I think, in the NFC. I mean, they they the division is theirs. Just take care of business. Don't don't do lions stuff. Don't right. do what the lions usually do. And don't lion it. Right. They, yep. they don't think it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So keep it rolling. It's kind of nice today. We don't have to worry about watching the lions. We can just yep. casually watch some of the other games. But I'm going to be tuned in to watch Miggy's finale for sure. I've got the DVR already set. I want to see what anything special happens. I missed the pregame yesterday. I can catch that on Valley's website or something. Yeah, can yeah. I, Jared? Yeah, you can uh, yeah. rewatch all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm kind of disappointed you, you're not making the trip down today to see a legend. Uh, yeah, off, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. If I wouldn't have went Thursday, I would have I would have went down. But you know, there is something about being at Comerica Park with a packed house. I mean, I, I will miss that aspect of it. it it's going to be electric, as you like to say, and yeah. uh, it's a great way to send him off. You know, they got the big number 24 out there in the stands now. Uh, Mickey Stanley has his number retired forever. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's a great send off for me. And like we said, let's let's hope that uh, 
he does something special today. That's for sure. But well-deserved honor, first team ballot, first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, just great player. It is cool that, you know, we've, we've said it, that maybe because the Tigers haven't been very good the last few years and even Miggy, Miggy's play has kind of dipped a little bit the last few years, um, you know, maybe he's not getting the send-off nationally or whatever that, that you would hope for. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to see that this weekend, or at least the last week or two, he is, you know, whether even just locally with Bally Sports or, you know, in Detroit, giving him his love because, yep. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. Al Kaline said it. Other Tigers legend, legends have said it. He's maybe one of the top two or three right-handed hitters ever, at least of this generation, you know? So to be lucky enough to watch him with the Tigers for so long, winning triple crowns, winning MVPs, you know, leading them to the playoffs so many years, it, it's it's going to be weird when he's not on the Tigers next year, but it's cool to see him, you know, get get all this love. And, it, and you know, it, it's cool to watch him hit that home run and other stuff. He, yeah. He's still like a kid. He has so much fun playing. Well, the game. kudos to the Tigers too, keeping him around. He loves Detroit, and he's yep. going to be still with the organization. And I think it's a brilliant move. I was, I saw the announcement. I was going to bring it up on the podcast that that's what they ought to do. So they already jumped me on that one. Yep. He's going to be a special assistant. Going to be on the payroll, and what's even more important with that, with Miggy as he's well loved, you know, it's with the influx of Latin players nowadays, and he's yeah. going to be that conduit to help these kids out, and uh, just a great move by the organization. Yeah, yeah, it'll be cool to to see how how today goes. Like we mentioned, I really, really hope they get him in in the field so he yeah. can he can tip his cap at first base. And man, if he hits a home run, I mean, just get a hit or two. But if he hits a home run, oh geez, what a way! It's going to be crazy. Yep. He's going to be trying, I think. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be swinging over the fences, which I appreciate. Yep. Well, maybe Francona will say, you know what? We're not doing anything. Maybe they'll pull a Denny McLean, Mickey Mantle thing and just groove one for him so he can just one. crank one out. Yeah. Let's hope. All right, guys, let's let Jared get to work so he yep. can uh, put that product together on Bally oh, Sports. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the Three Point Podcast presented by Memorial Healthcare's Wellness Center. Make sure you sign up for a membership. Get healthy. What a great, great spot to be, especially with, uh, you know, autumn upon us, winter coming up. Get yourself a membership. Get healthy. And don't forget the October 21st Go Green, Go Blue 5K Run Walk. Yeah, They're right there. It's in my promo, October 21st. I know it's Michigan, Michigan State Day. Get all details at memorialhealthcare.org. Also, thanks to our local partners, AZ Branding Solutions, Jacobs Insurance Agency, Corey Shook and Associates, Real Estate Services, Nelson House Funeral Home, Rivals Tap House and Grill, and Success Group Mortgage and Servicing. Anytime you're in any of the businesses you hear here, tell them you listen to Three Point Podcast. Also, thanks to Corona Head Football Coach Steve Herrick. Hopefully they can get it done down the rest of the stretch and go deep into the playoffs. Our Z92.5 Castle Game of the Week. Not a bad one this uh, Friday night, October 6th, New Lothrop at Ovid Elsie. I'll be over in Corona covering that one for the podcast, Corona in Clio. So that'll do it. Peace and love, everybody. Be kind. Thanks for listening. Hey, gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to Three Point Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.